We have baseball. <laughs> this meeting is being recorded. Yes, it is. And yes, it is. Good morning, everybody. Today is Saturday, March the 12th, 2022. You are watching or listening to another edition of Forward Maryland. My name is Bill Woodcock. And I'm Steve Hunt. Uh, happy snowy, rainy, sleety, whatever the hell that is going on outside of my window Saturday. Now, there's been worse, Steve. Sometimes it's been snowy in late March, and I can even remember a couple opening days where there was a snow squall or two. By the way, for those of you who cannot see Steve, he is resplendent in his Orioles sweatshirt and Jackie Robinson hat, no doubt celebrating the return of, of Major League Baseball. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and the funny thing is... Uh, I think both sides decided to see the light. And my understanding is the Scott Boris clients were ready to die on the hill. And the other players who, you know, actually work for a living decided, screw you guys, we're going home in the words of Eric Cartman. And the deal got cut, I believe, in 24 to 46 hours or 48 or whatever. So uh, glad baseball is back. Uh, some of the agreed upon new rules are interesting. Uh, I've got opinions on all of them that maybe is for another show, but uh, I'm just glad they're going to be playing the darn thing. Although minor league baseball is on, so I was just going to spend a lot of days over at Bowie watching the Bay Sox. But, you know, Camden Yards and Nationals Park are now in play. Yes, we should get a noted uh, local sports journalist, Marty Nyland, friend of this show, uh, on again to, to talk about stuff closer to opening day. So yeah. uh, spring training starts tomorrow. We're born again. There's new grass on the field, all that good stuff. Uh, I am actually celebrating two years of work from home because it was on this date in 2020 that at my previous employer, we were told to go home because of there is a virus that was happening. It was the day after the NBA shut down. And we were told that we should probably go expect to go back in May. Steve, they didn't tell us which year. They just said May. <laughs> Indeed, they did. Um, you know, my memory is, of course, having kids in the Howard County Public School System go to the sudden emails that said, well, we're thinking, we're thinking. And I believe it was a Thursday where they said, all right, kids, come in on Friday and pack your stuff. We're out of here. Um, and it was the same Friday that was my last day, which was around the same time. So, yeah, two years ago, uh, all hell broke loose everywhere. And um, I am sitting here in the basement where I've done most of my professional work for the last two years. <laughs> so, yeah. Great. Well, 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 today we bring, uh, as we're close to the Ides of March, we bring, beware the Ides of March, we bring our March gubernatorial top ten. And we will go through this again in snake-style fantasy football draft format with Steve starting first with his number 10. Um, you know, by the way, live, live fantasy drafts drive me a little bit bonkers ever since I was in. In fact, it was in the aforementioned Marty Nyland's house uh, with a guy who he found to round out our league off of Craigslist because that's where you go to find your 12th fantasy football league member. The guy showed up wearing an OJ Simpson Bills jersey and he had a and a 12 pack of Heineken light and he had a Glock in his sweatpants. Oh my. Well, you know, 
fantasy and Craigslist go together, not just football. Um, so, <laughs> oh, that's true. That's for the that's for the uh, that's for the only fans uh, channel of Forward Maryland. But but Steve, I will also be bringing today. We have for the first time ever a guest top ten prognosticator. Uh, last show's guest, uh, Richard Deshay Elliott, candidate for the House in District Twenty Four, has provided me with his top ten. So uh, after you go. I will I will give Rich's choice and then mine and then when it's my turn then I will do mine and then Rich's and then yours. Fair enough. Fair enough. Looking forward to it. Uh, you know, Rich had some inputs that I took into account for my top ten, so I'll be interested to see how his top ten overall compares um, based on you know some of the things we talked about last week during his interview. Okay, very good. Well, with no further ado, let's kick it off. Steve, who you got at number ten? Uh, number 10, I have Ashwani Jane uh, still. Uh, he was my number 10 last time. I still have him at number 10. Um, you know, he's still out there. He's still working hard. I still see stuff from him uh, where this this very unique campaign that he is running is still going on. But, you know, at some point, you got to find the answer to the question, what's your road home here? And I'm still not exactly finding that road home for him. I think he's still there. Um I understood he did pretty well at the uh, debates during the week, which were focused on climate change, which should have been in his wheelhouse. But uh, uh, I can't put him any higher than Ted, but I still have to keep him on the list. Well, um, you you are amongst good company, Steve, because Rich at number 10 has Ashwani Jane, and I at number 10 have Ashwani Jane. So I will say two things. One, you know, uh, in the last, in the, last few iterations i'd started to take a lower five was kind of a strength of campaign you know sort of vibe but these upper five the upper five were more of a who beats who starting with this month i started to take all through all 10 who beats who because we are coming up on the deadline the filing deadline there is of course a period for people to drop out and the primary is only three and a half months away. So I think who be two is important. So I hear what you're saying about Ashwani Jane. He's got to get some traction. You know, I mean, he's a great guy. We really enjoyed having him on the podcast. He brings a lot to the table. But at some point, you know, is he campaigning for governor? Or is he campaigning to be in someone's cabinet? Or is he campaigning for another job? Like we had a candidate last election cycle who everybody loved this young lady, but in reality, she was campaigning for a job somewhere. So uh, Ashwani Jane at number 10. Also, the other thing I wanted to say is a great uh, middle finger award to, uh, to Robin Ficker for making the Washington Post a couple weeks ago for getting disbarred. So congratulations, Robin. My two cents on your campaign is that it's going nowhere fast. So drop out, stop sucking. So uh, number nine is John King, former U.S. Education Secretary. Uh, his campaign's going in the wrong direction. I don't really see much from, um, from Mr. King. Uh, I like Mr. King. Um, but for reasons I will mention, I mean, he and the next person who I, when I get to at number eight, 
They've just kind of been uh, dog paddling while some others are making moves and getting endorsements. So King at number nine and Rich Elliott also has King at number nine. How about you, Steve? Uh, well, the good company theme continues. We'll see how it goes from here. But at number nine, I had one, uh, Mr. King. Uh, and for exactly the reasons you mentioned, um, you know, early on in the campaign, it seemed like maybe he was a guy who could catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe he could be the um, fallback plan for 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 those who maybe should support us say, Rashard Baker or Doug Ganser. Somebody else, I think, now has that job <laughs> on the list that we will get to. And so I think you're right. He's he's definitely trending the wrong way right now. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see if he can find some way to get some momentum back. He's got some money, uh, so he can certainly make a push. But uh, we got to see it. Okay. Steve, where are you at number eight? Yeah, my next my next grouping got a little bit tough, but um, at number eight, I went with forward, former forward, <laughs> former Anne Arundel County Executive Laura Newman. Um, I I wanted to put her higher, but I think I need to see more out of her. But I think she is trending in a positive direction. Um, I think she she has the potential to be what I call a hey wait a minute candidate, as in you go to a forum and she happens to be there, you're maybe not there to see her. And by the time you're done, you're like, hey, wait a minute, what about her? And, you know, the thing about her in her interview, uh, Ms. Newman, was she is more than just the, I'm the only woman in this race. She has a compelling life story. She's got a compelling background. I think she can attract voters that some of the other candidates cannot, certainly in the general election, but also the primary. There is a there there. Um, I need to see more, like I said, maybe the next fundraising deadline to see what her numbers look like, but trending up, wanted to move her higher, but I, I'm going to reserve that until we see a little bit more out of Ms. Newman, but definitely potential and a lot of it. Well, you would agree with Richard Deshaies Elliott. Rich also has Laura Newman at number eight. Uh, at number eight, I have former U.S. Labor Secretary Tom Perez and head of the DNC member of the Montgomery County Council, et cetera. Uh, I put Perez and King kind of in the same boat. I'm not sure what they've been up to for the last month or so, uh, or maybe a little bit longer, um, but uh, it was enough to say, Tom, you're down a mark. Um, you know, the, the campaign is kind of stalling. Uh, other candidates are being more successful in getting media and, and in getting their message out starting with my number seven candidate, who is former Anne Arundel County Executive Laura Newman. I agree with you, Steve, on everything that you said uh, about her candidacy. Uh, I'm willing to mark her just a little bit farther up. And yeah, to your point about being folksy, I mean, you see a well-presented, um, you know, Caucasian blonde lady, you know, of, of well, about the same age as us, and you go, oh, Karen's running for governor. Um, but this woman is far from a Karen. Uh, you know, this is somebody who's been accomplished, who has come from very humble roots and a very humble background. Uh, somebody who has demonstrated ability to bring jobs to communities, uh, to work with both sides of the aisle, uh, and, to, and to chart a, a moderate path for Maryland uh, that I believe is is where the the heart of Maryland lies. So 
Uh, I had Laura Newman at number seven, and Richard Deshay Elliott had Tom Perez at number seven. Steve, what say you? Actually, I had Tom Perez at number seven, um, and and I agree with you. You know what I will say is my eight and seven. You know, I had a number of struggles in terms of you know this spot or that spot, but that was my eight seven. Um, I would have faded Perez down to eight. I agree with everything you said there, but you know, I, I, like I said, I need to see more out of Newman. Perez does have a, a good chunk of money. He's got certainly has a network to raise more money. I think there was a a stat recently that said that a big chunk of his money came from out of state, and that will not stop. Um, you know, we talked about the Nancy Pelosi endorsement the last time around. I think there'll be some organized labor that will get behind him from his past. So, I, I wasn't ready to send him further down than seven, but he's definitely trending the wrong way. So, mm -hmm. you know, my eight, seven was somewhere between Newman Perez and I, I went Perez for now, but I could very easily see the next time we do this Newman ahead of Perez very easily. Okay. Steve, so far you and uh, Mr. Elliott are, are, uh, are, are, are in, in our simpatico. <laughs> Does that continue as you round out your bottom five? Oh, based on last week, I'm sure my my next one will will uh, disagree with Mr. Uh, Elliot. And my my number six is uh, one former Prince George's County Executive Rashern Baker. And to me, it's been a good news bad news period for Mr. Baker, uh, who I I you know like a lot, quite frankly. Uh, the good news is he's got cash coming in now. Um, he, he's starting to get some of those matching funds. Um, I believe this campaign said they're going to be doing uh, requests. I think you do it every two weeks. And by the end of the month, he could be looking at, you know, in the neighborhood of a million bucks total uh, with the matching funds coming in, which is an inf infusion of cash that is very much needed by the Baker campaign. So that's good because, you know, the concern there early on and, through most of the way was he wasn't raising any money. Uh, the bad news, of course, is the Angela also Brooks endorsement of not Rashern Baker. Um, it was to Wes Moore, who you know, we'll be talking about, I'm, I'm sure, soon. Um, uh, to the point that uh, Rich Elliott made last week, is it a death blow for Rashern Baker? No, not even in Prince George's County. Uh, there are certain dynamics there where um, that might actually be a good thing for Rashern Baker. But once you leave Prince George's County, you, you are, if you're a Richard Baker, going to have to explain to donors and others why your successor as county executive is not backing you. Somebody who you supported, who you helped get into that office, doesn't have your back. And as they say in politics, Bill, if you're explaining, you're losing. And so I don't think that that's a good look for him. I think it's something that, you know, he can certainly get past. But I think it, it's more of a momentum for Wes more than it is a lack of momentum for Baker, but it's just not a good look or a good sign. I will note that um, Aisha Braveboy, who is the, uh, I believe she's the state's attorney, was at the same function where the endorsement came in from Ms. Also Brooks, but very quickly said, I was just there to be there. I am not endorsing anybody right now. Um, I think if maybe he could get that endorsement, that would be a good counter. But um, right now I have him at six. 
Yeah, I would say that that whole Angela also Brooks endorsing Wes Moore thing is the second most jacked up thing in statewide politics to happen so far this cycle. The first jacked up thing being uh, Martin O'Malley's lieutenant governor running against Martin O'Malley's wife for <laughs> attorney general. Yeah, that's a because that's some jacked up s right there. Uh, what is not some jacked up s is that at number six we are all three in agreement on Rashern Baker being in our number six slot. Rich has him at number six, and yes, here is where the also Brooks effect. Uh, I, mean, I believe also um, also uh, changes my ranking for no fewer than two other candidates uh, further up the ladder. Um, you know, has an effect. Prince George's County is, as they always call it, vote rich, Prince George's County. And, and uh, you know, to see the, the uh, Kern County executive uh, go to, again, her predecessor, uh, no thank you. I think we got a better plan here with this fellow who hasn't even had the elected office ever. Yeah. Um, you know, that, 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 that's a big diss. So, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see where this goes. And again, like I said last week to Richard, you know, he's not dead yet, but, um, but uh, I certainly couldn't keep him where he had been prior um, in, in which he had been as high as number four back yeah. in February, but now he's six. I will Who tell is, you, I will tell you just very quickly uh, for, for um, Ms. Also Brooks, Westmore better win because um, she threw a lot of, I mean, she put all the chips in the middle of the table behind, like you said, a neophyte in terms of electoral politics, in terms of Maryland politics. I didn't, I saw three things going with her, nothing Baker or say a Peter Francho. So she's, uh, taking a bit of a risk here because there's some, there's some people who could remember if, if they are governor and he is not as in Westmore. Well, Pepperidge Farm and Peter Francho both have PF as their initials. And we know Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> Peter Francho does too. And number five, I have the aforementioned Wes Moore. I, I do think that he gets some propulsion uh, from the also Brooks endorsement. And of mm -hmm. course, Prince George's County is voter rich, so they say. But uh, we still have uh, some ways to go there for Mr. Moore. So, you know, uh, Mr. Moore is now uh, first amongst who I consider the heavyweight contenders to be, um, you know. Uh, so now he's at least in the ring, uh, you know. Now can he put some people over the top rope to, miss, to mix boxing and wrestling metaphors? Uh, to be determined, but the also Brooks uh, endorsement certainly puts him there. Richard Deshay Elliott has Doug Gansler uh, in, in uh, as number five. Um, not sure, you know, of course, I have never seen any any prognostication before from Richard on this matter, so I don't know if that's a up, down, or in the middle. Steve, who you got? Um, I have former... Um friend and, well, not former, <laughs> friend of current Governor Larry Hogan, former Hogan administration official. Sorry, I had my, my uh, titles backwards. But anyway, Kelly Schultz at number five. You know, I, 
I think she is trending up, not because of anything titanic that she has done, but because her opponent, the primary delegate Cox, and especially his running mate are doing such a good job at making themselves as repulsive as humanly possible to everybody and anybody outside of the Trumpists. Um, I, I'm, I'm coming up with a new term because these people, they're not Republicans, they're not conservatives. I'm just going to call them Trumpists and you can fill in the blanks with the rest of it. But uh, that wing of the Republican Party, I, they're with Delegate Cox, but everybody else, I think is you could see some fall off. Um, and I think that is to the good for Ms. Schultz. I, I was tempted to put her up a little bit higher, but I still need to see more out of her. Now, I will say for Ms. Schultz, um, she made a very smart pick for a lieutenant governor, um, Lieutenant Colonel Wolford, uh, who's also a doctor, I believe. Uh, he seems like, again, a non-threatening Republican. So I think she is building a, a Hogan-esque or Youngkin-esque, I guess we'll get a little more current here, uh, type of thing. Uh, I read somewhere where they said, hey, you know, you could imagine the response to the State of the Union from Governor of Iowa. Um, I can't remember her name for the life of me right now. Reynolds. Um, yeah, you, you could hear her words and see them coming out of Kelly Schultz's mouth um, or the words of Glenn Youngkin and have them come out of Kelly Schultz's mouth. So I think she is the most formidable Republican in the general election. So I, I, I think that Dems should definitely root for the Trumpists to win this one out, but she's got to get there first. And right now, I still have my doubts. So I've got her at five with an upwards arrow. Uh, depending on how things shake out above her, maybe she could find her way higher. Uh, but five is where I have her for now. Okay. Well, that's your five, Steve. Who you got at four? And number four, I have Wes Moore. Um, I, I think that that um, also brings endorsement. I think getting it means more to him than not getting it means to Rashawn Baker because it's legitimacy. Um, and I believe he also has the endorsement of Anne Arundel County Executive uh, Stuart Pittman. I believe he has uh, that endorsement as well. So you're looking at two of the what we would call the big five uh, counties. Their executives have got behind Westmore. So, you know, that. He, he, in his position, being a first-time candidate, not having held elective office, et cetera, he needs that legitimacy. And I think that gives it to him. You put that on top of the butt-ton of cash that the, the guy is sitting on and can use. Uh, the fact that he is a very dynamic individual. So, you know, there are going to be people who hear this guy, and they're going to say, wow, and, and, and it's going to move the needle. So he's got the resources to get to that point. He's got the endorsements to show legitimacy. So... He is definitely trending upwards. I think he's still got some barriers to cross to be considered, you know, a contender, as you say, for the title itself. But certainly he's in that mix and, and very well into that mix. Well, Richard DeShay Elliott and I agree on number four, being former Maryland Commerce and Labor Secretary Kelly Schultz. Um, Steve, I'm, I'm, I'm picking up everything that you're laying down. Uh, I definitely, uh, agree with you that her, her Lieutenant governor's pick was a good safe choice. I still will contend that nobody, nobody, nobody votes for the Lieutenant governor, but, um, but still, 
um, you know, did make a did make a solid uh, non-controversial choice. Um, and I agree with you that she is um, portraying herself as the sensible, sane uh, Republican, the, the adult in the room in the race. And, um, you know, I'm still not sure how helpful it's going to be because I'm still not sure the base is there. But Richard and I are both seeing uh, Schultz at four. At three, the uh, last person affected by the also brooks the also brooks decision a robert ludlam novel which was never published uh, <laughs> and that, there should be a better word there like you know the also brooks gambit or something that might be a good a better one also brooks gambit uh, would be would be former maryland attorney general doug gansler um i was tempted to rate his candidacy down because of the not terribly impressive fundraising numbers that his campaign showed. But uh, I'm willing to give this at least one more pass or at least one more month to see what the next uh, reporting deadline shows. But, um, but definitely, um, you know, I think the also Brooks endorsement in vote rich, um, Prince George's County uh, does not come down off of that silver medal uh, position right now and into bronze territory. Of course, there really is one winner. And so far, a winner in the primary election is not yet Doug Gansler, nor is it anyone so far. But I do have them from two down to three. Richard Deshaies Elliott has Wes Moore at number three. Uh, Richard being the proud uh, progressive that he is, I, I could see his uh, affinity for Westmore at number three. Who you got, Steve? Well, actually, Bill, um, I am in line with you, and I have uh, former Attorney General Gansler. Um, for all the reasons you said, um, it, you know, spot on. I, I think there is still a there there, but you know, at some point, it's got to go from, yeah, there's a path to can you really take it? And so I, I think that, you know, over the next few weeks, you know, there'll be some more, you know, forums and those will be good opportunities for Doug Gansler, who I think presents himself very, very well, not a polished politician, but his passion and his, his knowledge, I think will come through in some of those things. Um, like you said, the opportunity to show some better fundraising numbers. I think if he's one of those people who, if he could show, some potential. There are fundraisers out there sitting on their wallets waiting for an excuse to drop money into that camp. Um, he just has to give them an excuse. I, there are voters who are, are out there that he can get, but he's got to get out there and do the work so that they can see him as a viable alternative. Uh, you know, he has presented himself as a progressive alternative to uh, Peter Francho. Uh, he needs to look at his rearview mirror because if the Westmore train keeps rolling, Westmore could supplant him in that position, but uh, I, I don't think that has happened yet. So, you know, I have uh, Doug Gansler at number three uh, along with you. Excellent. I have a feeling that all three of us might be agreeing on our top two candidates. So who you got there, Steve-O? Uh, you know, one delicate, Dan Cox. Um, still in my mind, the Republican front runner. Um, still in my mind, the guy, you know, who – 
in a primary situation where it is very much base driven, especially on the Republican side this time around. And and you see that, you know, not only throughout the state of Maryland, but also nationally with, you know, candidates who if they ran, if they went straight to the general election for like Senate, I think, you know, Mitch McConnell has struck out three times because his candidates who probably would win the general election realized they couldn't get past the base of the primaries. Uh, Maryland is no different. Uh, it is similar to Virginia where, you know, in, in a fair straight up fight, do you think a Glenn Youngkin would have found his way out of the primary? No, but a base driven, whatever they do over Virginia, I don't even want to get into that. Yes, he ended up being that dude. So um, I think Maryland is the same way. You know, we see it here in Howard County. So, uh, you know, like I said, Kelly Schultz is probably the better general election candidate. But as you have said, Bill, accurately, you got to get there first. And Delegate Cox has the best path to get there first. Truth. Well, Steve, the rest of this podcast could be boring. That doesn't mean that you should log out there, viewers and listeners, because Richard DeShay Elliott and I both have Dan Cox at number two. Uh, he is indeed uh, controversial. His mm -hmm. uh, lieutenant governor candidate uh, has thrown out some absolutely goofiness uh, oh. in, in recent weeks. Uh, and apparently the, uh, the uh, red meat crowd is just lapping it up like a cat to milk. So, um, you know, a little bit scary, but it's the truth. It's the way things are, are falling out so far. Um, so we shall see. Uh, mm -hmm. And at number one, I have, as does Richard Deshaies Elliott, uh, State Comptroller Peter Francho. Uh, had very strong fundraising numbers. Uh, I believe 78% of his cam uh, campaign contributions were from uh, within the state of Maryland. So, you know, no worrying about that there, although he's been a Maryland, um, you know, uh, elected official for, what, 30-plus years. So, um, again, um, you know, Peter Francho is the Joe Biden of this race with a little bit more energy and vigor uh so until uh until somebody shows that he's not the most qualified man for the job he certainly is and steve i'm gonna take a a, a wag <laughs> that that you might agree with richard and i oh absolutely and, I mean, and, you, and you haven't mentioned thicker yet yeah that's not happening <laughs> his, his his uh peak was when he when he was reciting the Jordan rules behind the uh, Chicago Bulls bench at the old Cap Center, and that was like you know twenty five or whatever years ago. So uh, it's yeah. all been downhill since uh, his uh, heckling days at uh, Bullets game. So anyway, but yes, I agree with you on the number one person. And you know, I'm looking at my list here, and 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 all the drama that that you know we've talked about. I mean, we could write a play about this, you know. Is Gansler for real or is he fading? Westmore charging? Is it the real deal or, or just a phase? You know, can Rasher Baker raise money? Does Tom Perez have it in him? Here comes Laura Newman, or maybe not. Meanwhile, all this is going on, and Peter Francho is sitting there at the number one spot like, have fun with that, guys. <laughs> you know, he's just kind of doing his thing, cruising along. You know, he just dropped in, you know, this this latest thing with the gas tax um, 
uh, freeze. And, you know, he, he put out a really nice, you know, release saying, you know, hey, I pushed for this thing and now they're going to make it happen. This is what I talked about when I said I deliver for the state of Maryland. He, he is just going on about his job being Peter Francho while there's the mad scramble to see who's going to be the last person standing to challenge Peter Francho. So he 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 is in an absolutely great position. If it were a NASCAR race, you'd have a mad scramble with cars crashing behind him and this one trying to draft off of that one. And he's just sitting in the front, just rolling along. So it, it's great to be Peter Franchot right now. You could just kind of, you know, if, if I'm Peter Franchot, I'm hoping that the courts and all this stuff doesn't, you know, allow the primary to slide back past June because I just want to get it over with to get to the general election, man. Because yeah, if you know, the primary election is delayed. That is that is the epitome of ham and egg. Yeah, yeah. I would not be a fan of that whatsoever. No, sir. Well, 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 Steve-O, we, we have, we agree on, on all three of us. And thank yeah. you, Richard, for your uh, yeah. inputs as well. Uh, yeah. If anybody else out there in viewer and or listener land wants to uh, provide their lists, have at it. But um, we agree on five of these 10, all three of us on the number one, number two, number six, number nine, and number 10 slots. Interestingly, we all had different uh, takes on number five, yeah. which was yeah. a curious place to be uh, discordant. But hey, and then uh, we had splits uh, two and one on the other one. So, so pretty good. I, I like this. This is a fun exercise. Always is. Let me give you one more, and I'll give give some love to a a person I follow on Twitter, uh, Ryan Miner of a uh, Minor Detail. Um, I follow his Twitter feed, and he follows he does a lot of Maryland politics stuff as well. And he broke them up into tiers. And so for Mr. Miner, tier one was Francho Moore Perez Baker. Tier two was Gansler King Newman, and tier three was basically everybody else. So his top tier. Um, he did not include Doug Gansler, so he was more in line with uh, Rich Elliott. But uh, his his top tier, he still has Rashard Baker in there, which I think you and I both uh, still believe in that campaign. Uh, but he surprisingly has Tom Perez in that top tier. Um, that that I'll be interested to see because he didn't really put anything behind it. He just kind of put it out one day. But uh, just another interesting take from somebody who is uh, involved in Maryland politics and, and posts a lot of stuff online. It is, and it is an interesting take. And I know Ryan kind of, you know, you know, decently. I mean, he and I've been on his podcast a couple of times. So, so, you know, he's, he's a knowledgeable guy, but, uh, but yeah, very interesting. Well, that brings us to a close on another marvelous edition of Forward Maryland. Uh, join us next weekend. We will have uh, another returning guest to the show, Natasha Gwines, who many may remember came on the show a couple of years ago when she was running for uh, Baltimore City Council. But it is Women's History Month, the month of March, and Natasha is the head of her Resiliency Center, which is a nonprofit in Baltimore and Washington, providing services to uh, women in recovery. And, um, you know, we're, we would like to talk about the, the state of vulnerable nature uh, women in the state yeah. of Maryland and, uh, you know, what uh, state and local jurisdictions are providing and, and uh, where there are still gaps. And the gaps are 
more than a few. So uh, we'll be uh, we'll be doing that show next weekend. Steve, any plans for the snowy Saturday? Uh, looks like an indoor kind of day. Um, you know, there's always plenty to do for those of you who have any sort of domicile, apartment, house, whatever. So uh, obviously yard work ain't happening. And um, a baseball scrimmage I was supposed to be coaching today got wiped out two days ago. So, uh, yeah, looks like some internal inside, you know, and one more weekend of avoiding starting on my taxes. But, you know, that time is running out. I've gotten all my I've gotten my taxes back already and all that's been done. I was supposed to go to the Van Gogh exhibit in DC this evening, but I'm not sure. We'll, we'll play it by ear. Probably make a decision around two o'clock on that one. Yes, sir. Well, for 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 Steve Hunt, my name is Bill Woodcock. Viewers, listeners, thank you for consuming this edition of Forward Maryland. We'll be back at you next weekend. Till then, have a great day. Take care.